pace myself at all. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a learning curve, as it should be. Yeah. So um, we could probably start with mine first since it's okay. dark. Okay. And then, then we'll end on a positive note so I don't have nightmares. <laughs> all right. Okay. Let's see here. Like I said, it's probably one that you have heard before. Dude. Wait, I, do we need to introduce ourselves? That's probably a good I idea. zero listeners. We are so good at this. Hey, our moms are going to listen. At least <laughs> my mom will probably listen. <laughs> Your mama Nelson will. Mama Bear Mel will probably be concerned about life choices of mine <laughs> or why I know so much about these things. But go right ahead. Who do we got in Nebraska? All right. So over here in... <laughs> Lincoln, Nebraska, man. Um, speaking of which, my story is also a Nebraskan story. I feel like it's just the perfect story to start out on. Um, but we'll get to that later. Um, I'm Lena. Okay. <laughs> That's all you got to say. <laughs> Nothing else. Um, I, what else do I say? I don't know. Um, we'll find out. I'll go. Um, I'm Julia. I live in Corvallis, Oregon. And Lena and I have been best friends since oh, yeah. five years old. Yeah, since like kindergarten. And literally since kindergarten. It was a long, it's been a long, long time. And here we are, you know, <laughs> friends across state borders doing what we do best, talking about fucked up <laughs> shit. <laughs> Whether it's crime, scary stories, just awful, <laughs> scary things. Cryptid. <laughs> yeah. There will be no stone left unturned after this podcast. Yeah, we're not really limiting ourselves to anything. No. You can't just be true crime and not be into the paranormal. I feel, yeah, like, exactly. I feel like if you like true crime, you have to be into paranormal as well. <laughs> 100%. You know what else I think? If you like true crime, you are also you are also probably like a history nerd growing up. I think, also, I think there's a lot of red flags across our lifetime that got us here. <laughs> I don't think it was just like one time we were like, oh, that's an interesting story. There was a lot of red flags. I think but, me rubbernecking every time we drove past a police car was a, also a big red flag. I think so too. I <clears throat> Or a car. Or when like the whole tale of like the witch that lived by like Summer's house. I yeah. think we would take that very seriously. <laughs> that, was, that was where it all started. This is... It's been a long time coming, but we're here, and now we're going to do what we do, record it for us and our moms, or maybe the three friends who will support us. <laughs> but, okay, so it's not really a Halloween special, but eh. we're getting spooky. Yeah. That's all you can do. Okay. And so mine, which I thoroughly think that you've already heard of before. Okay. Is the Scream Murders. Have you heard of them? Here's the, here's the thing about me, and this applies to everything. You can say a name of a song or a story, and I'm going to be like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And then you're going to start telling it, or I'm going to start hearing the song, and I'll know exactly what you say. So as okay. of right now, no. But who knows? But it could be. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think that Morbid honestly did a... Then probably, because I've listened to every episode of theirs. Yeah, so you've probably heard of it, um, but it's just the one that I picked because I love the Scream movies. I love mm -hmm. Halloween, mm -hmm. and we're going to go into it. Mm -hmm. So just in case we haven't, in 1996, Scream, which was directed by Wes Craven, made its way to the big screen. And if you don't know the storyline and you've somehow never heard of it, it's set in a small town of Woodsboro, an American town. And it follows Sydney Prescott and her friends who are on the anniversary of Sydney's mother's passing become the targets of the costume serial killer, Ghostface. And it was very well received. It broke several box office records. And since its initial release, Scream has remained an endearingly popular horror film. It launched a successful franchise of over six movies. And Ghostface has become a center figure of horror and pop culture. Um, and in 2006, two teenagers in Idaho would find inspiration from the mass slasher, mimicking what they had seen in the movies and commit a senseless murder, all in the quest to become world-famous murderers. So, that's the intro. <laughs> so, we'll just kind of really get into it. In Pope, I think it's Pocatello, Idaho, 
I'm, that sounds right. Okay, we're just going to go with it. I mean, who are the people listening is going to call me out? <laughs> what person in Idaho is happening to listen to our podcast? Exactly. So in Pocatello, Idaho, which is a town of over 56,000 people, it's also the home to Idaho State University, as well as high on Forbes' small, best small places for businesses and careers, which mm-hmm. I was like, interesting. What? But we'll hear it. <laughs> and... In the fall of 2016, Cassie Jo Stodart was starting 11th grade, along with her boyfriend, Matt Beckham, and his friends, Brian Drapper and Tori Adamick. Brian Drapper spent most of his child actually growing up in Utah and had recently moved to Idaho as a teenager, which is where he met Tori. And the two became fast friends, both very interested in film, including horror movies, such as the iconic movie Scream. And then they would begin to film themselves recording things as a hobby. And that bond would soon turn a little sinister when it would actually lead to bigger things. <gasps> and so Cassie Stodart was 16. She was reported to be very well liked. She was a straight A student and took her studies very seriously. Her classmates reported her as friendly and her mother reported her as someone who was a straight edge and very responsible. And on Friday, September 22nd, 2006, Cassie was helping her aunt and uncle by house-sitting over the weekend while they traveled. And so as school got out that Friday, Cassie's mother, Anna Stodart, picked her up as well as her boyfriend, Matt, to drop them off at the house that Cassie would be house-sitting slash dog-sitting because I think they had like four dogs and a couple cats as well. Um, and sorry, I do. I do know this story. See? It's, it's coming yeah. back. It's all coming back. But, <laughs> but, go and then it. eventually go there's a lot of like, I couldn't find out directly whether it was that Matt had invited. He was friends with Tori and Brian and Tori and yeah. Brian were actually reported to be friends with Cassie, but there was a lot of like miss where like he invited them over, but then others like resources said that they had like stopped by. But regardless is that Tori and Brian arrived at 820 to also enjoy the night away from parents with Cassie and their friends to kind of enjoy a movie. Mm-hmm. So as they arrived, Cassie gave them the grand tour of the house and they settled in the living room to watch Kill Bill Volume 2. And Tori and Brian would actually be the first to leave before the movie even ended, claiming they wanted to go watch the movie Pulse at a local theater. They left at about 9.30. And after they left, Matt and Cassie settled in to continue watching their movie. And shortly after Tori and Brian had left, a temporary power outage occurred at the house. And Matt began to notice that the dogs were staring very intently into the basement, which is actually where the circuit breaker was located. The two teens were obviously extremely uneasy, but did not enter the basement and try and go down to get the power back on. Mm-hmm. And after a little back while, the power actually returned. And so Matt became very apprehensive about Cassie staying the night by herself. So he actually called his mom and he asked her if he could spend the night with Cassie. Matt's mother declined, said no but did offer that Cassie could come home with him and stay the night at their house. But Cassie, being the very responsible adult she was, declined the offer and said that she had been asked to dog sit and she did not want to abandon her duties or responsibilities and what she had been asked to do, so she reported she would be staying. She's so sweet. (laughs) I feel so bad for both the mom and for the boyfriend and for her, obviously, but... uh. Like you, I can't even imagine realizing that you said no, and this happens. I mean, obviously, you could never think this would yeah, happen. Not also, that, like, you were scared shitless. There's a power outage. Yeah. You're alone in a house that is not your own, and you're still like, this is something I was asked to do. It's my responsibility. I'm going to stay. I yeah. kudos to her. Um, but is it, yeah. is it like a, like a, like, that that house was not the only one that had a power outage. Like it was, it happened in multiple houses. Or like, was it? Oh, we'll get into. It. Okay, okay. We'll I'm get into I'm exactly what the details of the night were. But I thought I'd just start kind of giving the rundown and then how hey, things unfold. One more thing: if I was house sitting slash dog sitting, I'm already scared. Probably <laughs> crime, and then the power goes out. Fuck no. No, that's what I mean. And like noticing that the dogs are like picking up on something too and you still being like no I what a sweetheart for staying never yeah and so yeah so she 
said she couldn't do that and she would stay at the house alone. So at around 1030, Matt's mother arrived and he picked him. She picked him up and took him home. When he got home, he actually like returned and he tried to call Tori and Brian to see where they were, what they were up to. And he actually got on the phone with them, but noted that they were like whispering, talking super quietly. He could barely understand them. So he just assumed that they were still at the movie and he just hung up. And at about 1230 a.m., he tried to call the house that Cassie was sitting at. But of course, no one answered. He never got a word. Mm -hmm. And on Sunday, the 24th of September, Cassie's aunt and uncle returned to their home where they found the body of their niece, Cassie, stabbed over 30 times. And it was thought to be 12 wounds were classified as fatal, so significant overkill was noted. Her aunt quickly called 911, and soon the Idaho State Police arrived. So it's nightmarish crime scene. And the police captain at the time, John Gosnick, who had been on the scene, noted that Cassie had put up an extreme fight against her assailant and noted that she was fighting for her life most of that time. Uh, and investigators couldn't find the knife that had been used to stab her. There was no signs of forced entry. And when they noticed that the power was out again, or, well, they didn't know it was out again, but they saw that the power was out, they became very puzzled about this. So they actually went down to the fuse box, the circuit breaker, mm-hmm. and uh, took like a whole bunch of evidence from there to try and figure out if maybe that was a possible motive or like a possible way for them to investigate. Yeah. And so... When, what came of that is that they did actually find um, fingerprints from Cassie's mother's boyfriend, um, but he had an alibi for the night of the murder, and he had done some work on the house in the past, which is why those fingerprints were there. Gotcha. And so then the police went back to looking at the people who had last spoken or seen Cassie alive. Mm-hmm. And so Cassie's mother was one of the first people that they spoke to, and Cassie's mother noted that she had spoken with Cassie at about 9.30 on the night of the 22nd, so the Friday. When she called for just a quick check-in before turning in for the night, mm-hmm. she noted that Cassie had not said anything that raised any alarms, and Cassie just confirmed that everything was fine, and she was just watching a movie with friends. That would be the last time her mother was spoke to Cassie. And so um, the police then interviewed Matt, as they noted that Matt would, was there at the house and who her mom had mentioned was also staying with her for a time. Mm-hmm. And when they interviewed Matt, he, they were like, you know, you were the last one who didn't see him alive. And during their interview, they really picked up on that Matt was not really showing a lot of emotion when discussing what happened to Cassie, which obviously, big red flag for police, instantly yeah. became very suspicious of Matt. So they actually didn't complete a polygraph. And he passed it with flying colors. There was not a lot of suspicion there. They were like, okay. And so then Matt kind of talked more about the night and told them about two other teens who had also been at that night the house that night before leaving police quickly picked up on that and realized that those were another two people who had possibly seen cassie the last night so idaho state police then brought in brian and tori for questioning and both teenagers were just very shocked to hear that anything had happened to cassie they could not think of anyone that would want to hurt their friend they continued to say that you know she was always so friendly they just couldn't believe what had happened Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get into it but they continued the questioning and the boys kind of like they basically the police really picked up on right away that things were not lining up with these boys stories or these teenagers stories yeah because the boys claimed you know that they had left early for the night to go to the screening of a horror movie called pulse but when further asked about the movie the boys were unable to give any details about the movie itself details or even details about the theater that they wanted to go um, and it did help actually that later on a fellow class like acquaintance who actually worked at the movie theater came forward and was able to confirm the police suspicions that the boys never came into the theater that night. And so as the like pressure and questions kind of testified, Brian like cracked and said, well, we didn't go see a movie. We were actually breaking into cops. And I didn't want to tell you because, you know, that's you know illegal and we didn't want to get in trouble for that. The police continued to question him and then said, well, we're going to have you do a polygraph. I think that's the next best step. Mm-hmm. Brian instantly became very emotional, very crying. And then he asked to speak to his parents and then said, I have something I need to tell you. So it's reported that both boys became very like cooperative with priests. But Brian was the one who was like giving them all the details that they needed to kind of like get this moving. So yeah. 
after they were kind of confronted about that, you know, Andrea became emotional. He recounted how he and um, Tori had gone back to the house that night to try and scare Cassie. They said they had turned the power off and they were just hoping to kind of put on masks, give her a little surprise. Um, but he was surprised when he found out that Tori started stabbing her for real. Brian said it wasn't supposed to happen. In tears, he said it was supposed to just be a joke. And so basically he just kept like saying both teens were kind of making it sound like they had been there present for the murders, but neither one of them had any, they didn't have any fault involvement in it. Like they weren't stabbing. It was the other one kind of pointing fingers, all of that good stuff. And so as the investigation kind of continued, Brian continued with his cooperation and he actually led the police to Black Rock Canyon and Black Rock Canyon is like a state park. That's like about 15 minutes outside the town. Um, And that's where the, teens had like thrown away or disposed of their like clothing from the night their masks weapons everything that was used in the crime and they even had films tapes yeah no they were filming themselves taping everything and they had tried to destroy these tapes by just like you know i think throwing them out they had done something to try and like um ruin them but thankfully everything was still on there and this is kind of like the final nail in the coffin for them where they kind yeah. of spilled everything. And it was what started as their hobby ended up being their demise. So they kind of like openly started watching these and the, the details began to emerge that the stabbing of Cassie was just like a painting of a picture of two teens who were so desperate to be world famous killers that they openly filmed and planned the murder of not only a classmate, but the, someone that they considered a friend. That's so and so, And wait. How remind me how old they are? They're eleventh graders. Yeah, I think they're sixteen, possibly seventeen. So juniors in high school, and this is what's on their mind. Jesus fucking. But yeah, so they were inspired by a scream, so they kind of like decided to kind of like create their own real life version, and they decided to target Cassie for the simple reason that she would be alone house sitting. And when they kind of like found these videotapes, they were watching them and. They not only like recorded themselves like preparing on these videotapes, but they were able to like kind of recover footage of their detailed plan as well as like the last day Cassie was alive. So one of the videotapes began with footage of Cassie at the high school selling, saying hello to the camera and then quickly switched to the boys then filming themselves in the high school library where they were making a death wish of like victims that they were hoping to kill. And then they talked about their plan. And then when they found out that Cassie was going to be home alone, made their plan for the night. And Raper so O'Brien. They were yeah. talking about killing other people besides Cassie. Or they yes. were like trying to decide who they were gonna. Yeah. So they had a death list of people that were going to be victims or people they were planning to target. I did not. Um, and Cassie just kind of made her way to the top of the list simply because she was kind of like that opportunity. They're like, yeah. There, I think even in the video at one point they were like, it's the night, the night of the murder when they're heading there. They like were making all these jokes about how she's in this big house all alone and just like making the set to be this perfect scene for their yeah. movie, basically. And so yeah, so they're in the library talking about this. And at one point, Brian says to the camera, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to Cassie's family, but she has to be the one. We have to stick with our plan. And uh, so on the night of September 22nd, that Friday, the two teens had dropped by the Idaho, Idaho home. Like I said, I'm not sure if they were invited, if they kind of maybe like manipulated the situation to get themselves invited because they reported to be friends with Matt and Cassie. So it's really hard to know if they just made that an opportunity for themselves or if they were yeah. invited. But they dropped by that house that night and they were like seen like basically getting a layout of the home. And one of them had it left the basement door unlocked so they'd be able to secretly sneak in back later. So using their ruse that they were going to see the pulse, they made their way to the car before moving it down the street, waiting and preparing to re-enter the house to kind of like complete their plan. Yeah. And while they're kind of like in this car, kind of like getting their like masks, their weapons and everything, they are filming. The cameras continue to roll for them. And um, Brian says, unfortunately, we have the grueling task of killing our friends. And as they continued to lay wait in their car, not from the far from the home, one of the teens is reported to have said in the video, 
we're sick psychopaths who get pleasure out of killing other people. And then one point someone says, we want to be just like Scream. And so after kind of like getting their masks, gloves, everything, they sneak back in through the door and they have left open in the basement and they, you know, are kind of like sneaking around the basement. Cause I think they had also noted in like their video about how it's such a big house. There's so many places for them to hide. It's the perfect opportunity. And so they're in the basement and they decide to um, mess with the circuit breaker to cause that short power outage that okay. yeah. Cassie and Matt had experienced before Matt was actually picked up. So they did it. And so, yeah, so they had caused that. And their plan was to hopefully cause that so they would both come down to the basement to investigate so they could kill them. And investigators actually believe that they would have killed Matt Beckham as well, Cassie's boyfriend, if he was not picked up by his um, parents. So if he would have still been there, they think that Ryan and Tori would have killed him as well. What the fuck? Yeah. And so after Matt was picked up by his parents, Cassie was left as their sole victim. And Ryan and Tori then manipulated the circuit again to cause another power outage, hoping Cassie would come down to the basement to investigate. But that proved very unsuccessful. She did not come down. So they sat in the basement, making several loud noises, an attempt to lure Cassie to the basement. But again, she never made that descent. And after some point, they decided to move upstairs. Imagine where she probably was. Exactly. Like, evidently, she was just in the living room, laying down on the couch. And then, yeah. And so um, Brian was armed with, like, a dagger-type weapon as well as like Tori had like a hunting knife and they had actually purchased these knives at a pawn shop. Um, but they came up the stairs and they tried to like slam a closet door as they came up to try and scare Cassie. But again, she was just kind of lying down on the living room couch. Didn't really like give them any like sort of like validation that they were there, which yeah. is probably what they were looking for. Cause yeah. um, they were trying to make this to be some like big, scary movie. Um, but they attempted to scare her and nothing happened. So the boys just eventually brutally attacked her, stabbing her over 30 times. And so after they do this, they return to their car and once again, begin filming. Brian holds the camera saying, I just killed Cassie. This is not a joke. I stabbed her in the throat. I saw her lifeless body. And then Tori then stated, I am shaking. And Brian continues just to kind of like curse and, oh my God, I killed her. I killed her. We killed Cassie. Kind of going on and on. And then Tori then kind of like shouts at Brian to say, shut the fuck up. We need to get our act straight. And that's kind of like the last film that like, there's probably more, um, but I don't think all of it has been released. And most of it is just like transcripts that you can read. Yeah. Um, But so after they kind of figure out more about what happened that night and they discover these, um, tapes and more about the information about how this was a planned thing this was not a spur of the moment in the moment thing these two have been planning this for a while yeah and so they continue to interview these boys asking you know trying to essentially find out more about the inspiration why we did this and brian basically openly talked about his fascination with eric harris and dylan klebold who if you don't know were responsible for america's most infamous school shooting, the Columbine High School massacre. They claimed 12 students and one teacher on April 20th, 1999. He told police that he had hoped to carry out a similar act with Tori's help, but his friend was more interested in the concept of becoming a serial killer, specifically mentioning Scream in his interrogation. Um, I also read that um, Tori mentioned other like Hillside Strangler, um, Ted Bundy, like a lot of those people were his inspiration and that's the direction he was hoping to go so eventually brian just wanting to be a part of something claimed that he had come around to tori's idea of just emulating the iconic killer of ghost face down to using knives halloween masks and the crown and so they wear scream masks then while they when they did this no it wasn't scream masks it was like um, they were like white masks with like, um, it looked like blood dripping out of the eyes. Ugh. But yeah, it was like those Halloween. Yep. Yeah. Plastic. Yeah. Masks. I'm at party city for crying out loud. Yeah, exactly. And so obviously with their cooperation and just like the treasure trove of evidence, like that they found in the canyon, authorities had all they needed 
to kind of convict these two of first degree murder. And both were sentenced in 2007 to life without parole. And so um, the murder of Cassie was a senseless, tragic act of violence that left family, friends, community devastated. This is a town that had never seen a murder in a very long time. And to have something like this happen shook everyone. And she was known to be a very bright, promising with her whole life ahead of her. And unfortunately, the untimely um, time of her death was a profound loss for all who knew her. And then, of course, just to know that the perpetrators of this crime were motivated by such twisted desires to fulfill these fantasies to become world-famous killers. At 16, 16, you're thinking about that. And so both boys have not, like, said very much, but 15 years after his conviction, Brian was interviewed by Dateline's Keith Morrison on the phone from the Idaho State Correctional Institution and he said, I feel like a nobody. And I felt like I had to be somebody if I did something, you know, big and bad. He said, adding that he didn't feel like he fit in because of his stutter. Brian said he regrets what he did every day. And so although Cassie's life was cut short, her memory lives on through ongoing efforts of her family, her friends, and people who knew her to keep her legacy alive so that it will not be overshadowed by the selfish acts and of the boys who took their life. And so that is the Scream Murders. Oh, and my God. It's one of those that, like, it's, I think just the idea of them sitting, talking about, because, like, I couldn't find, I wanted to find so much more about just, like, the psychology of it, find so much more about, yeah. you know, what happened that Brian would want to commit something like Columbine. Yeah. You know? Like, there's no way it was just a stutter that made them have those violent fantasies. And the same thing is that, like, it's one of those situations that makes me really, like, just think about how, like, two people like that could find each other, you know? Exactly. How does that happen? Like, how do you... Who brings it up? And then the other one doesn't say, what the fuck? Doesn't say, like, no, that's terrible. That you continue to talk about it. And especially, like, they were debating about whether it's going to be a high school shooting or they're going to kill people. Like, that's insane. I don't know how people like that find each other, you know? And then it also is one of those things, like, was it someone that was, you know, were they manipulated in some way? Like, was Brian manipulated? I don't want to give, I will not give anything like that to them. What they did was their own. And after watching those yeah. videos and listening to them, they made their choice. There's oh, no 100%. manipulation. Um, but... Yeah, it's just one of those that I truly am like, how did you find each other? And that no one, and this brings up like, you know, a lot of things about like, you know, mental health in schools and Mm -hmm. things like that, because how could you openly be planning something like that and no one know? And no one overhear, no one mention it to someone else. Exactly. It just, yeah, it's one of those that, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that someone had to lose their life. A young 16-year-old girl who knew these boys as her friends. Who didn't do anything wrong, even if they even if she did do something wrong. Exactly. And like, yeah, that she, she doesn't just, deserve that, whether she did anything. It was just that I mean, she was the one who was home alone. And they said, yeah. okay, well, screw giving you life you deserve. We want to yeah. be famous for doing a terrible act. So that's awful. Yeah, it was honestly hard to research in a way because it really did make me so sad and because like you know I love the screen movies and I I don't blame media for a lot of things like this but it is hard to watch realizing that like someone else watched that and thought oh I want to be them yeah but yeah that is my sad dark now I'm bummed out So let's get it back to you and get some get something light, a little bit. Well, um, our Zoom meeting is going to end in three minutes, so I'm going to schedule another one real quick because to upgrade I have to pay. And you know what? We're yeah. two broke bitches. I hate paying. Bro, we do not have a Patreon yet. <laughs> we are hey, getting this is our first episode. Sign up for our Patreon. <laughs> It's just my mom. Mom, you please come owe me a dollar. 
<laughs> to keep the production going. Okay. Okay. Well, um, we're gonna end on a little a goofy note. I wouldn't say a happy note because here's the thing. Somebody still dies, but yeah. it's a little more goofy of a story. Then, then okay. Like then the scream murders of <laughs> 16-year-old girl. And two 16-year-olds planning a hot penis primus. Yeah, exactly. Um, today I'm going to tell you the story of the life and the murder of Andy, the footless goose. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I have a lot of questions that I will ask at the end of one. How did you find this? <laughs> okay. So I'll I'll give you I'll give you um the backstory. So I as you know, I had another story that I was like working on. It's gonna be too long. I wanted to do something a little I don't know. It just wasn't this didn't feel right. This wasn't the vibe yet. It's we'll have to so, exactly. Um I'm not gonna say my boss's name, but um the dude I work for, um, he you're gonna hear about Jessica Corgi, um, because she uh is really close to this story. You'll learn more about her at the end. But I met her the other day because she knows my boss and she came into work. And he was telling us, before she like came in, he was telling us the story. <laughs> Synopsis of it. And I was like, this is the best thing I've ever heard. This is my new story. <laughs> Forget the other one. I'm doing this. Um, and again, like I said earlier, it's a story... From Nebraska. We don't get a lot of those, you know? How, and how did neither of us know about this? I, that's why I'm really curious. I feel like this is something I would love to have remembered. And he, Andy's a big deal. All right. He, he was a celebrity. I can't believe it. Why was I obsessed with Charles Starkweather when we could have been doing Andy? <laughs> Andy is where my heart should have been. <laughs> um, I used a whole bunch of different sources, Wikipedia. Um, a People Magazine article, Hastings Tribune, Atlas Obscura, blah, blah, blah. Oh, the People Magazine? Uh, well, wait until you hear <laughs> Okay, so Andy the Grey Goose. A Grey Goose, okay. Can you picture that? Is my Okay, like those really light gray ones. And I'm going to send you pictures later, so... Just have a picture of Andy in your head. But he, <laughs> he hatched out of his little egg in 1987 in the small town of Harvard, Nebraska. Um, being from Nebraska, I still have no clue where Harvard, Nebraska is. I've <laughs> never heard of Harvard, Nebraska. <laughs> so I had to look it up. But it's really close to Hastings. So like, okay. also picture that in your head, I guess. Um I wrote close to Hastings, but he was no normal goose when he hatched because he was born with a deformity that left him with stumps for feet. And he must have been pretty shy about this because I tried to find pictures of his little stumps for feet and I can't. I can't find goose stumps anywhere. So I don't know exactly what they looked like. Otherwise, I'd give you more detail. But what you need to know is he was he was struggling. So for the first two years of his life, he lived with his stumpy little feet um, on a farm in Harvard, Nebraska, and he really struggled to swim and keep up with his other little geese friends, and he could fly, but still not well, even though his wings were fine. He was just, he was not thriving. He was living, but not thriving. Um, but when he was two years old, uh, he would meet his future owner and one could say savior, Jean Fleming. Jean had stopped at his sister-in-law's farm. Her name was Donna Mae Shuck in Harvard, Nebraska. And he saw Andy, the footless goose, waddling around on his stumpy little legs. And mm -hmm. he said, I remember, you know, the um, Shriners, like, Children's Hospital? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think they have a charity for disabled children. But he said, mm -hmm. 
as a Shriner, so he was a member of Shriners, he felt the need to help the little struggling goose. And he offered his sister-in-law another pair of geese in exchange for Andy and his mate, Polly. And he took them to, to his farm in Hastings. Yeah, Polly. That's so cute. He may have no feet, but he still found love. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Okay. I need to reel it in. I was so excited <laughs> to tell you this story. Um, so Gene Fleming, he was a farmer. He also, um, was like one thing listed it as a livestock manufacturer, but essentially he was able to build things. That's how he made his mm -hmm. living. Also, um, was referred to as an inventor. So he was pretty handy. Um, and he, he tried to make a few things for Andy to help him out so that he could move around a little easier. Um, the initial attempts failed, but, um, one of the first ones was a skateboard and Gene had the idea that he could make a foul sized skateboard and that, um, Andy could get on it and balance on his one little stump and then he'd be able to push off with his other. Andy didn't have much going on up there, so he didn't really figure it out. So I feel like I'm high right now. Like, I am sorry. This man is skateboard. <laughs> one lady and like you're good you'll figure you it out with Andy. you know how to do this <laughs> you know in your head that you need to push off <laughs> you know what a skateboard is Andy Andy you know what a skateboard is <laughs> but I also love that he's like like not only did he take the cute little stumpy footed goose home but he was like I'm gonna make his quality of life better I'm gonna take my free time and I'm gonna figure out how to make your life easier so it's very wholesome it's very no very wholesome it's so sweet um so that was the first attempt did not work understandably so the second attempt was little baby shoes so the first ones that he fitted to andy were little white leather baby shoes size zero and he stuffed the rest of the shoe with foam rubber so that they would stay on andy's feet and not slip mm -hmm. off um and they worked together to try and figure out so that Andy could like figure out how to walk in these shoes that he has on his little stump feet and Gene said he held him up for three hours just like standing like you would like a baby like make them stand on their feet so he held him there for three hours and then it finally clicked in Andy's little head that he was running off and strutting like <laughs> um so, you go to old Hastings, Nebraska, small town, as we both know, something going on like a footless goose wearing baby shoes. People are going to be mad about that. Um, the Hastings newspaper wrote a few lines, featured Andy a couple times, and then the media heard about Andy. And he, in 1989, he uh, debuted in a People Magazine article. Hence the People Magazine reference. I will send you pictures. It was so precious. Also in 1989, Nike decided that they were going to bestow Andy with a lifetime supply of baby Nike uh, shoes. Oh my for the rest God. of this goose's life. What? The, oh my God. I can't get over this. How have we not known about this? Seriously, I love it so much. So this goose has a, a Nike sponsorship. He's got baby shoes for life because, as you can probably imagine, he's running around and he goes through about one pair of shoes a month. He wears three yeah. pairs of shoes Oh, my a God, month. Andy. <laughs> well, and also, like, homie stepping in poop and it said that he could also swim a lot better with the shoes too oh, okay and, and he's wearing like the shoes are not like built to be yeah that's true you're right running in and they're not made for children to goose to be swimming and sprinting along you know i understand <laughs> okay um and then also in 1989 1989 was a big year for andy it was a big year for andy in hastings nebraska <laughs> 
Um, Andy and Jane, they both um, appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And at that point, it became worldwide news about this little goose with no feet that wore baby shoes. Um, also in Hastings, again, like I said, something's happening in a small town, people know. So he was also a celebrity at home and he would rock, walk around with Jean and people would flock over, no pun intended, and say <laughs> hi. And children loved Andy. Like there are a bunch of pictures of him just sitting in the middle of a circle with children surrounding him. Um, and because Jean, again, says, okay, because Jean is like, I'm gonna make this goose the best goose there ever is. He um, made his car passenger seat goose-proofed. His bright orange car, he goose-proofed the passenger seat. So he and Andy could drive around Hastings and they would make appearances in libraries, in schools, in county fairs, in parades. But they also spoke a lot at disability awareness events because Andy was like a little mascot. with disabilities because he was pushing through he was making the best of his life um and uh it i also have that he was a special goose because if you've met a goose you know how mean they are um and he according to so many people who met andy they said that he was like one of the sweetest geese they'd ever met in their life like he was so calm so patient um patient enough that when Gene tried to switch his shoes to high tops he was okay with it or when Gene tried to teach Andy to ride a bike he was also okay with it I'm I sorry I have I'm sorry the skateboard for the skateboard so they're like let's put one on a bike <laughs> I'm texting you a picture and I need you to look at it I need your recorded reaction because oh. it is so good i'm just gonna send you all the pictures of andy actually right now then you can get a real oh what we're dealing with oh oh only Nebraska. on his bike so um it's got gene he's looking down at the love of his life andy and andy is literally sitting on a little bike that it looks like 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 maybe there's a little two by four so he can like sit but his little Dude, this can't be real. I know. This <laughs> cannot right. be real. There's a little umbrella covering him from the shade on his bike. Um, and honestly, he's a cute ass goose. Oh my, he's adorable. I I just can't get over the little shoes that are on those pedals. <laughs> There's some pictures where he's got like his feet behind him and his little shoes are all tucked up underneath him. It was so sweet and precious. Oh my god, and this picture? Which one? Like family portrait? <laughs> like they went to JCPenney's and got, <laughs> got their picture done. I oh yeah, this is going to be my new new obsession for a while. <laughs> um, I'm going to burst your bubble though. So, no, no. If anything happens to Andy or Jean, I am going to be upset. Lena, Lena, you told me it was going to be wholesome. <laughs> it's gonna I said it was going to be goofy. It's going to be a goosey story. <laughs> but I'm really scared. Silly goose over here. <laughs> um, so, Andy, you know, he lived a two, another two years with um, Jean. He was vibing. He had Polly at his side. He was living his life as a celebrity. But um, on October 19th of 1991, Andy was four years old when he disappeared. But Gene and his wife Nadine weren't, they didn't know he was gone until the next morning when a couple who were metal detecting at a park in Hastings called up their friend Gene and they said, hey, is Andy all right? Because they found a body of a goose in the park. And he had little shoes on, but he was missing his head and his wings. <gasps> oh. And the body of Polly was also laying next 
They were both killed. So, obviously, what other goose is there? unsolved, I will be coming back to Nebraska and leading my own investigation. <laughs> so that was my secret plan the whole time. <laughs> um, God. But obviously, knowing that there's probably not any other geese wearing shoes, Andy and his, or uh, Gene and his wife ran out to the chicken hutch. And the, while they did see little shoe prints of size zero, they also saw human <laughs> prints. <laughs> to the hutch. Well, they did see little shoe, shoe size prints. That's, that's not funny. I miss him, but I was so funny that like, they were following like little. <laughs> little little shoes like this big. <laughs> so it was confirmed someone came into their backyard and kidnapped Andy and Polly, and they immediately called the sheriff's department. Now, as sad as that is, you know, when tragedy strikes, community comes together in a way that is really uplifting in bad times. Okay. So Andy and Polly were gone. Gene buried. Also, I'm going to rant real quick. I understand Andy was a blessing on earth, but he, no one talks about Polly being murdered. She's only in a <laughs> not where I thought you were going with that, but I love it. Yeah, no, I'm a little upset that they're like, oh, and Polly. Um, excuse me? Yeah. Polly had to put up with a lot. You know how hard it is to support someone who is probably as famous as Andy was? <laughs> she didn't get a cool pair of shoes, and she still loved him. She loved him for who he was before he had shoes. <laughs> she was there when he was nobody. She, she stuck with him. Before Nike, before the community, Bali was his number one. Treat her with some respect. <laughs> Literally crying. Um, yeah, so this is on our podcast. Here we are talking about justice for Polly as well as Andy because she was also kidnapped and murdered so I just wanted to rant about that for a minute anywho please well deserved thank you for doing that if no one else is going to speak up for her I will (laughs) no one will speak up for her we will do it on this podcast (laughs) I stop (laughs) Stop. so um like I said Community comes together in a way that can really lift people who are experiencing grief up in a way that nothing else can. Um, Oh, actually, I'm sorry. I do have additional gory details that I skipped. Um, Some sources do say that he was skinned slash defeathered. I know. Like, who? And also, he was left in a park where the children of Hastings, Nebraska could come and see their favorite but with goose. I'm also listen. I know I'm gonna find out who. I better find out who did who's done it. Is this if this is unsolved? I am. Who? We'll get there. We'll get there. Who? who? My problem is okay. Listen. Mm-hmm. You know, like we just went did this such a dark murder where we talked about like how these like two teenagers had like this vision of a heinous world famous killers. Yeah. And now we got someone who murdered. A duck and his lovely lover. Excuse me, excuse me, goose, 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 murdered two geese. <laughs> For what reason? Were yeah, you I know. What was the reason? Well, I'll I'll get there. I'll tell oh, you. God, oh, I'll give God. I'll give you some more details. Um. Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I do have one more detail too. No weapons were used. Their necks were just snapped. I know. I literally awful. I have no words. <sighs> okay. I just. Oh my god. No. No. I'm just picturing Andy in his little shoes. I know. His Probably shoes so were so on his feet. <gasps> they didn't even take their shoes. Um. Okay. Please continue. I need to find out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um. So. For like the fifth time, community rallied together and they funded 10 grand in 1991 to, um, as a reward for whoever could come forward with information and find Andy and Polly's killer. 
which in today's money is about 21 grand, a little, like quite a bit over 21 grand. So they came together and they raised that much money to find the killer of these geese. And I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. Um, unfortunately, the killer was never identified, but I'm going to elaborate a little bit. Um, Gene and his wife, Nadine, when they were alive, thought that it could be someone who worked for their company and like they were scorned or something and trying to get back at them. Not confirmed. In fact, probably not accurate. But life goes on. The word of Andy and Polly's death sweeps the world again. Some of the headlines were quite good. A murder most foul was my favorite. <laughs> um, but um, the world was not only Hastings, Nebraska, but the world was upset at the loss of Andy and Polly. But in 1993, so two years after the murder, um, I think it was the Chicago Tribune, maybe? They came mm-hmm. back to Hastings to see how they were holding up after the death of their local celebrity. And the sheriff at the time declared that they were still following every tip and that Andy's case was still open. But Jessica Corgi, who is Jean's granddaughter, um, and she's also the one in some sources who named Andy. So this is the lady who came into my office that I met. Um, she's gone digging and she's found some interesting stuff that makes it oh. like there might be a cover up of this unsolved murder. Um, because while in 1993, the sheriff said that they were still looking into things two years after the murder. So also in 1993, someone from the sheriff's department called and said, we found who did it. We can't tell you, and we don't want any news releases about it. We don't want it getting out. Um, The former Chamber of Commerce president, Don Reynolds, said that at the time they told him that whoever did do it was not really responsible, making it kind of seem like it might have been someone who was mentally unstable or someone that didn't have, like, control over their actions. Um, So... What they did is they donated the reward to the community foundation and it was used for kids projects. Um, And today there is a headstone commemorating Andy and his life and death at the Fleming residence. We can go visit. Actually, I don't know if we can since it's on their property. Um, Did they put up a headstone for um, my girl? No, again, justice for Polly. I'm sorry. She was there for Andy when um, no one else was. Mate for life. So why is there not a headstone next to his? I know exactly. <gasps> I want to see it. Um, but kind of just to to wrap this up. Um, so this lady Jessica Corgi is trying to like get the story of Andy out, and I, she mm-hmm. has the story trademarked, but like, but um. She, so Joel went to, I said his name, I'll believe it, whatever. My boss went to her talks um, because she has like a talk going about it. And um, she has like so much more information about it that's not out to the public or at least not that I could find. Like she has like crime scene photos and forensic specialists that come and like talk about it. And she's trying to do a documentary. And I want a documentary on the murder of Andy the Goose because I want to see these crime scene photos I want to see the forensic evidence they have I would also just it would be not funny but I would love to see like interviews with like community members like because you know it's a small town thing so everyone has their own theories everyone has something to say about it and everyone there would want a piece to like say something oh yeah I would love that at the time of his murder, and I think she kind of touches on this in her talk as well. I could be wrong, though. At the time of his murder, so because 1980s was like satanic panic, right? Yeah, I think it was. 70s, it was probably 80s? towards the end of it, but it was still a thing. I appreciate yeah. it. I'm pretty sure there was still like some 
serial killings that were going on that people like immediately linked to like Satan, mm-hmm. Satanism and stuff like that. Well, some people thought that uh, Andy was killed during a uh, a satanic ritual, in which case, like satanic panic but still like i i just want to know all the details i want a full documentary and if i have to start a gofundme for her i will i think we should i think we should offer our services like no one's gonna listen to this podcast but the the podcast of the two listeners we have come together we're gonna rally (laughs) get jesse for you to get us on so we can help Solve Andy's murder. Yes. And Are Polly. Polly yes. and Andy. And Polly. This is the Polly and Andy Foundation. We're not going to forget about Polly here. Exactly. Also, as much as I giggled through this, I am actually sad that Andy and Polly were both killed. Heartbreaking. And, yeah, I know. He's so cute. And I feel so bad. And it's just like, yeah, like, it's so hard. It just feels like such like a... Like, I know you said that, like, mentioned that, like, maybe it was something, like, a situation of someone who mental health may have played something that, like, maybe they didn't intend to. And I know that it's an animal, it's not a person, and I understand that. But the idea that it's, like, this goose that is such a representation for a community and is so big for a community and for someone to just take that away from them or to act on those heinous thoughts is, like, heart-wrenching. Because, like, it's not, like, you know... Humans, I think, do things that make us angry and, like, we yeah. get upset at that point. Murder is never right. But, like, you know, people have, like, motives, like, that anger, those things, like, fuel them, yeah. or those, like, sick thoughts. Mm-hmm. What do you have against a fucking goose in baby shoes? Yeah. Nothing. Like, what can Andy Polly do to you? Man, it's the fact that it wasn't just Andy. They were like, we're not taking Andy. We're taking Polly. As he, well. What if this killer, like, killed Polly in front of Andy and then killed Andy? Why on earth would you say that? I, I just start I'm, crying. That, I'm just thinking about that because I'm like, what was the motive? Why did you bring Polly? If you had a vendetta against Andy, why did you bring Polly? And okay, so it's in, in some sources, but I'm pretty like 98% sure that it was Polly that was killed with him. But in one other source, which wasn't super reputable, it said that it was a different mate and not Polly, but that, um, with his new mate that he never really got like close to her because he never really got over Polly. Okay, but the the source that has Jessica Courtney talking in it said that Polly was at the murder. So I'm I'm going with that narrative because I don't want them to ever be apart. No, I am no, I, I don't even want to think about it anymore because it's it's gonna make me so sad to think about that I'm just thinking about this little duck who wears shoes that someone's like, no, not allowed. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. And I thought we were gonna end on like a positive note and it was gonna be like silly goofy geek every time, but now I'm just like depressed okay. over silly goofy. now I'm depressed over Andy and Polly. <laughs> I'm sorry. It was a great story though. It was a fucking great story. Right? I, I'm glad I am round of applause for Lena because this story I, was amazing. <laughs> I love it so much. I'm so obsessed with it now. And, and I feel like we should be like something we follow and then we'll just give updates. Like I think you need to establish communication with Jessica Courtney. And then as we get little updates, you'll be like, hey guys, in case you're curious, here's a little update about the Andy Polly <laughs> case. Oh, Andy the goose. <laughs> oh, that's so so sad. I know who that's like the one of the most like nothing happens in Nebraska. And this seems like pretty significant news. I know, and also it's an animal. We love our animals, and it's a, a murder mystery. Um true card story in a way. Like it's just like it yeah. feels like a I don't know, it almost feels like a movie or something. Like it just like is so absurd of like Man adopts duck. Duck starts wearing shoes. Gets sponsored by Nike. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? And then is murdered. Yeah, killed, kidnapped, and murdered, taken out of their backyard. And just like it's something. No, this. If there was a documentary that needed to be made about something that was like 
Google yeah, this is it. I don't know. This is just a documentary that needs to be made because I, I think it's it. so outrageous. Also, I'm pretty sure he had no offspring, unfortunately, so we have no no lineage of Annie the Goose. Yeah. Um, but I am now going to go look online and see if there's Andy the Goose t-shirts or something because I need I, one. I... Whatever way I can support Andy, I need to because like she really needs to have unnamed, and I need to know. Yeah, and also she met Andy. Can you imagine? Can you imagine being graced with meeting Andy? <laughs> like I'm so jealous. I want to meet him, but I can't. I think it's also just so funny to me because, like you said, that like every experience I've had with geese terrify me. They're terrify me. They are scary, scary creatures. And so to know that there was one riding a bicycle in high tops that was like, you know, in my state and I did not know about it. <laughs> I mean, I wasn't alive, but I yeah. would love to know about it. I know. Now you need to ask your parents if they knew about you. I'm literally going to call my mom. One, I'm going to send her the link and be like, listen to this. But two, mom, what do you know about Andy? I know. I asked, what do you know about Andy? The child wearing shoes or child no. wearing goose. I I asked my parents about it. I texted them. And my mom was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then um, my dad called me and he was like, yeah, I've heard of Andy the Goose. And then, but he didn't know Andy the Goose was murdered. So I also ruined Rich's day yesterday too. Yeah, I was going to say, poor Rich. That was probably devastating for him. Yeah, he... This is this is a rich story, though, I feel like. Oh, this is something that I think Rich will start, like, saying at parties. Like, the Boo Boo barbecue, Rich will be out there by the fire pit. Tell him a little ghost story about Andy. You guys heard. Oh, my God. What if there's a goose ghost? What if Andy is haunting Hastings? I think we need to find out. I think we need to go and visit his grave. That's what I think. I think that next time I'm in town, we should go. Deal. Bet. I'll be there in the holidays. And what better way to celebrate the holidays than finding out more about Andy? <laughs> That's my Christmas wish. <laughs> is so finding it. out what happened to Andy and Holly. Bet. We got Christmas plans now. Well, I just thought it was so fitting because not the question of does the cat die, but does the goose die? And I just also love the duality of this podcast because we started off heavy. Okay. And I found some links for like memorials of Cassie, like legacy things that I yeah. feel like we should put in our bio just to like, you know, make yeah. sure people can remember Cassie instead of who shall not be named. Yes. Um, exactly. Because Cassie's who we care about. But I do love that we started off with Scream Murders to what happened to Andy and Polly. And you're thinking, Andy and Polly were geese. Geese in Nebraska. Geese. And let me tell you, it shook the state. <laughs> it shook the whole world. People this, in Germany were writing genes and sending their genes. I'm serious. It was a whole world thing. Andy I love it. was a beacon of hope. He really was. He was stolen from us. God. Ugh. Well, I think we I think we killed it. I um, think we I think this is gonna be great. I mean, and if it is just your mom listens or I don't care. I'm having a great time with this. And yeah. I can force I mean, you to talk to me more. Yes. You can and force me to talk yeah, to you. Yeah, I hate how I said that. Yes. <laughs> that's the what will summon anyways at that but yeah i love and i know we both are avid true crime listeners mm-hmm. i'm not a reader watcher and so mm-hmm. it'll be so nice to like, have a platform that we can just have our own or do our own in-depth studying so i don't look like a psychopath when i'm sitting in the library reading the fourth book yeah. on yeah, some cleanest act yeah be like, I'm a, actually a true crime podcaster. Thank you. Start yeah, I, I am a researcher for a true crime podcast. Um, Leave me alone. <laughs> and then you say, and then you say, have you heard the story of Andy the Goose? 
And that's that will be my starting piece. Is like, oh, well, you can listen to episode one of A Bit of Cat Guy. Exactly. Halloween special, but does the goose die? <laughs> Should that be the title of the episode? But does the goose goose die? Yes. Okay. Listen. Every episode, we should put like a little, like, like you know, that's the main title of the podcast. But like, you know, how they have like the titles of the podcast. It should yeah. always be episode titles of like, but does he die? <laughs> but does this that's so funny. <laughs> we either put, but does the goose die, or we put, but does Andy die? And then that way, people will think, oh, Andy, person, and then Andy the goose, <laughs> the goose. I'll, I'll I'll write up a few things and I'll I'll send them your way so we can. Oh, I'll make Jake help me too. We're, this is our we did it episode one round of applause for us. After I'm really putting I'll it on microphones so that way you can hear me deep breathing and um, probably my stomach for going because I had too much coffee this morning. Um, and my voice will not sound as sexy the next time because unfortunately. It's all raspy because I went to a drag show and I. Did you go to a drag show last night? Yeah. Yeah. I've been going to them routinely at Common Fields and my bitch Pluto, who is my favorite, mm-hmm. is always there. And so I always try to go so that I can support them. And it's just it's so much fun. It is so much fun. And it was Halloween themed, so obviously it was even more fun. So. My shit, right? But I did lose my voice because it. I cannot be controlled at times. I don't know what's wrong with me. I live to hype others up for some reason. And so I will just be screaming. I got called out a couple of times because I was like so aggressively like cheering. <laughs> that is so funny. I love it. So happy Halloween. All right. Yeah. Happy Halloween. Um, and well, every two weeks, how often you want to? No, no. What do you, what do you think? Should we do? I think maybe like every two, three weeks, like to start. Okay. Yeah. Just because like we'll not have time to do it weekly right now, but every like two or three weeks, and then even like I think at least once a month. Yeah. So at um, least once a month. But. Well, do you want to set a date for a, a tentative date for our next next recording? Um, yeah, we could do. The weekend before Thanksgiving, like the seventeenth or something. Okay. Yeah. That. That. Deal. Um. Well, Okey dokey. Mama Bear or Mama Karen Nelson. Yeah. With you then, <laughs> and whoever else decides to join us on this journey. <laughs> All um, right. Stay. What well, we need a catchphrase. Um. Don't pet your cats. I don't know. <laughs> we'll come up with something, but for now, it's yeah. stay spooky. But we'll we'll have something good for you. So okay, yeah, yeah, we'll come up with something. We got something going. All right, baby. All right. Thanks I for doing send, this. Yeah, I'll send my recording to you, and I okay. will. I guess. Do you want to like have themes? Do you want to for the next episode? Like, how do you want to coordinate with things? Um, I don't know. What do you think? I feel like I'll like we should like take this like next week to like find something that speaks to us. Okay, deal. Yeah, and like if we find something that we think is really cool, let the other person know, and then maybe we can try and like coordinate off of that to have like some. Yeah, or if it's something that like maybe.